You are listening to Agency Work, the podcast that provides career advice for people who want to work at a creative agency. I am your host, Parker Playstead. Today I am talking with Lauren Fleming from Flatland Creative, which is an animation studio in Richmond, Virginia. Lauren is the lead storyboard and concept artist at Flatland Creative. Our audience may remember my conversation with Elias Dancy in the second episode of season one of this podcast. Lauren works with Elias at Flatland Creative. Lauren is also a student in the School of the Arts at Virginia Commonwealth University. The School of the Arts, which is more commonly referred to as VCU Arts, is ranked as one of the best art and design schools in the United States and is located here in Richmond, Virginia. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Parker. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm glad we're back talking about uh, animation and the work that you're doing at Flatland. This is going to be a fun conversation. I think so, too. Yeah. So, Lauren, you are a national and international award-winning animator and digital artist, and you have worked on multiple productions from children's television shows to visual effects for feature films. I've seen your portfolio online, and you're a talented artist, and you told me in a previous conversation that you recognized your talent at an early age. So I would like you to talk about those early clues that helped you recognize your skills in drawing. Definitely. All right. Well, um, I guess there's a lot of artists that often say, oh, you know, I've been drawing since I was two years old, and I guess that's pretty much the same with me, too. Um, but in terms of digital art and the stuff that you've seen on my portfolio, um, when I was about 11 or 12, I got into this cartoon television show um, on Cartoon Network, and it was called Adventure Time. Um, I would notice that there's a bunch of artists that are just drawing these characters, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I want to be a part of this. How can I do that? Realized that they were using an actual, you know, Wacom tablet, a drawing tablet. I got one for Christmas, and ever since then, I just took off, for sure. So that's cool. So you, you got in uh, with electronic tools at an early age. Definitely. And I was thinking, you know, me being old, thinking <laughs> paper and pencil or something like that or some other, well, definitely other drawing too. tools. But yeah. you, Okay, so you were doing both. Yeah. Um, first came paper, you know, um, anything that I can get my hands on in elementary schools. You know, I drew comics and a bunch of other um, little smaller character creations. Um, but I definitely did start getting a little bit more serious as an adolescent when it came to digital art. So I have a Wacom tablet as well, and, and I met those guys uh, many years ago when I worked for Epson, and we'd do trade shows, and they'd be at the same trade shows that I was at. And some of the uh, photographers I would work with would use Wacom tablets for editing their photos. So those are really nice editing oh, tools and definitely. drawing tools. So Lauren, can you tell me a little bit more about what type of drawing you did? What was the subject matter? Well, when I was... Earlier on, I guess you could say that a lot of kids get inspired by literally television. So I started coming up with my own storylines. Um, there'd be composition notebooks filled to the brim with just all these little stories of maybe three characters going on this super amazing adventure in the woods or um, casting magical spells or anything like that. Um, so after I would, you know, write up all these drafts, I would then start actually developing, do some character development. Um, meant with my pencils um, in school. Then that came to comics, um, where I started actually branching off into more of an imaginative state. Then at a certain point in school, you know, they want you to do more still lives. And from there, you start developing more of a technical skill, which is something I realized I really did love. So um, 
that's definitely one of the biggest things I do in my job even till today, you know. So what I've seen in your portfolio is you're talented at drawing the uh, characters, the the people or whatever the character is, as well as the backgrounds. And actually, one of my favorite uh, drawings in your portfolio looks like a dorm room or something. It looks like somebody's bedroom yeah. and there's a lava lamp on the right. table or the dresser or whatever it was. I really like that. I think that's a really Thank impressive you. drawing um, with the color and the detail and, and uh, all of it. Um, so you're you're handling uh, drawing figures and, mm -hmm. and people as well as objects right. and, and putting a whole scene together. Right. So I'm definitely big on range. Um, so I don't know when I really got into this. I believe it was my senior year of high school. And again, like I was saying, I really got into the technicalities of things. Um, kind of like someone who gets super obsessed with like math, you know, who goes into a math major. Um, so I started getting really into um, hyperrealism. And that also stuck with me in um, the kinds of art that I made when I made cartoons. And I realized, you know, I want to be able to capture the realistic things all the way down to the cartoons. And this matched up perfectly in, when, in terms of concept art or any other art that I'm doing. Anything from super preliminary sketches um, for uh, client work all the way up to hyper-realistic or illustrative, imaginative concept art for video game pieces. Lauren, you mentioned the video games, and I think you were telling me that you did some art and were paying attention to some art forums for these video games. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. Um, so you already know, 11 or 12, I got my digital tablet. Well, I started playing a lot of online video games, as modern children do. Um, and I was about 13, I was playing these games, and I realized that these um, games, these websites, also had art forms, creation boards, and there were people on there who were looking for people to draw their characters um, or draw their characters in illustrations, story-based drawings. Um, so me and my broke 13-year-old mind was like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> so I, um, I ended up, by the age of 15, having so many hard drives filled with over 100 like client commissions. So I realized from then, you know, getting paid to do this stuff. There was people who liked seeing my stuff, and um, I was inspired, honestly. That's cool. That's cool. That's a great start in this. And then you were at St. Catherine's uh, Girls' School here in Richmond, and I was at a uh, competing or a rival uh, school collegiate here in Richmond. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, good rivalry between St. Catharines <laughs> no, and the, the ladies at Collegiate and then the guys in St. Christopher's. Um, but you were telling me about a visit from a lady from Pixar who spoke at, at uh, St. Catharines and really gave you some inspiration. Could you tell me more about that story? Yes. Um, so, I'm, as you said, I went to St. Catharines. They basically are a school from pre-kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. I attended during middle school to upper school or high school, as they say. Uh, and high school, um, high school was coming to an end. And to be totally frank, there were so many people who knew what they wanted to do. They either wanted to be like doctors or lawyers or do what their parents did. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Keep in mind, I was in senior year. Um, and a few months before I had to actually send in applications to colleges. Um, what ended up happening was one day there was an event. I didn't know it was coming up either. Um, there was an event 
with an organization called Girls Who Code. So we went there, basically in the gymnasium, and there were speakers that constantly came up and told us about what they did. There was about like five speakers maybe, and the last person up there, um, she got up to the mic and she said, she introduced herself, hello, I'm Danielle Feinberg. And she was the, at the time, and still now, the director of photography at Pixar. Um, but she went on to talk about her seven years um, as a technical lighting artist, which basically are the lights that you see set up in 3D realms. Um, technical lighting artist at, um, during WALL-E, she was, she was on that. And um, <laughs> I was listening to what she was saying, and for some reason it never dawned on me until she spoke. And I realized, oh my God, I could make a career in art. And I, I was kind of, you know, thrown back. I, I, I knew then that's what I wanted to do. That's great. Yeah. So that was part of uh, connecting the dots for you and, and the skill that you have as an artist drawing and seeing a career path where you could earn a living doing that. Um, so that's great. I love that story because that's uh, what people are looking for is their inspiration and, and finding – the opportunities that they may never have thought of. So, again, I like that story. So from there, you decided to apply to art schools, and yes. you applied to some of the best art schools in the country. Yes. Can you tell us more about doing those applications Absolutely. and picking those schools? Absolutely. Um, so that winter, after all of that stuff happened, um, I applied to some regular colleges, and then I, for my parents, you know, <laughs> and then I applied to specialized colleges as well, um, which included VCU Arts, SCAD, um, Rhode Island School of Design, and Ringling College, and lastly, Yale. I got into basically all of those colleges except for Yale, but that's fine, because like we said earlier, VCU Arts is number one in public and then number two overall, like right under point two points under Yale is what they say. <laughs> it's a great school, and it's been a great school in the Absolutely. arts for uh, decades. You know, when I was yes. a kid growing up, I mean, it's sad to say how old I am, but no. in the <laughs> 70s, I took an art class at VCU, and it was a great art class. So, um, but I was in middle school in the 70s. Uh, Still. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's a great school and a great uh, resource here in, it, in yeah. Richmond. And uh we're lucky to have the, the talent that uh, comes through that school here in Richmond. Well, you applied to these schools, and I'm sure that required a portfolio. Or What, what did you submit yeah. to these schools? What were they looking for? Gosh, um, so all of the work that I had for those schools up until then were, of course, some of the commission work that I had done in the past for other people to show that I had skills doing client-based illustrations. Um, but also other pieces um, of... I guess you could say work that was a little more technically proficient since these are schools that are trying to see um, your best foot forward as opposed to um, what some people would probably send in, which is probably fan art or something like that. You know, they want they want your own voice coming in, so they, they prefer a more technical look on some things and also the range that you have, which is what we talked about earlier on, about 12 pieces. So when you submitted your portfolio, could you describe some of the pieces that were in your portfolio? What what did you focus on and, and what did you want them to see in terms of your skills right. and, and the kind of work you've done? So thinking back on it, my memory's not that great, but I do remember a few pieces. Um, so the first things I had were some 3D models that I had um, 
I had sculpted in this program called ZBrush. So there are a few characters of dogs, uh, basically earlier concept art um, of some of the little smaller video games that I wanted to create. So I had a lot of 3D versions of those. I had, like I said, technical paintings. I did a lot of oil paintings and I still do that today because I believe, you know, I want to be proficient in both modes of painting, traditional and digital that we have. Um, the third thing, because I'm just covering general topics, um, were probably the funner pieces that I had that I like to do on my own, you know? Not just the commission work, but some of the, I guess, some of the things that I loved, um, which could be Celtic fairy tale illustrations, you know? Um, which is what I'm big on now for some reason. So, yeah, that's general theme wise, that's what I gave them. <laughs> So for somebody who's thinking about applying to uh, an art school or even VCU arts, any advice now that you, you're in the program, you're about to graduate, and you've uh, worked with other students, uh, interacted with the professors, any advice on what to focus on in a portfolio or some do's or don'ts around portfolio presentation? Well, I think, honestly, if we're talking about the do's and don'ts, there's a lot of people who are getting out of school. Um, and something that you should watch out for. Now, with the youth coming in, we're looking at a lot of fan art. As a, so it's, it's basically other people's works, DC, Marvel's works, which isn't a bad thing. But in terms of showing off a portfolio um, to either the school that you're trying to get accepted into or the studios or agencies that you're trying to get accepted into, they need to know who you are. They already know who those companies are. You know what I mean? Um, so... I think the biggest thing you ever you, you want to do as a, if you're trying to go into the career of art is definitely to find your own voice and and monetize off of that, um, promote that, not so much promote fan art. It's not a bad thing if you want to do that stuff, but I think keep it away from the portfolio, keep it separate, and find out who you are during the process and show that to the school. So I'm going to try to explain fan art, and I'm going to get you to correct me if I go off course on here. But what I think you're saying with fan art is uh, there's stuff out there, the comic book uh, art that exists, that people can work from those characters and uh, provide their own versions of a, uh, a story or a scene. Maybe a scene is a better way to say it a scene that involves these already developed characters right. with their own style and you're just taking that information and creating your own scene with them in it. Right. So that's not being uh, original enough and it's not showing where your thoughts are on how you want to present your art or the direction you want to go with your art. You're demonstrating technical skill right. with fan art, uh, an ability to render it well and have it recognized as fan art, but you haven't established what your focus is or your um, favorite concepts or favorite right. themes are. And you had brought up Celtic, what was it? Celt yeah, um, Celtic, Celtic fairy tale illustrations. Celtic fairy tale <laughs> illustrations. Okay, that's an interesting one. Um, so right, so that's a good tip is to develop your own style, develop your own focus, develop your own themes, and uh, be able to show what you can do in a more original way. Yes, definitely. 
So Lauren, one of the things that I would imagine is a good tip for people applying to art schools is to do some research on the instructors and try to understand what the instructors are focused on, what their skills are, what type of art they do, and then look and see if that's the kind of art that the student, if, say it's me applying, if I'm looking at these schools, do I want to do that? And look for some alignment between the instructors and, and what I want to do if I'm an art student. Is that a, a good piece of advice? Would you recommend that? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, see, I basically did the same thing coming in. There were about four teachers that I knew actually um, were instructors there, the four of which are Jason Bennett, who worked on a lot of the concept art for Bioshock, which I believe was an Xbox or a PlayStation game. Of course, this video game was from a AAA studio. Um, then we have Ty Ruben Ellingson and Matthew Wallen, um, both of which worked at Industrial Light Magic in California for numerous, numerous years. Um, Ty Rubin did the concept art on Avatar, the movie with the blue people, and Matthew Wallen did a lot of the VFX work for King Kong. Anyway, these were both my instructors, and I... I I was very excited coming in, and already, even while I was in AFO, which is Art Foundations, um, which is what all the freshmen go through, I immediately, like probably two months in, started trying to make connections with that major because I was I, I really wanted in. I wanted to talk to these people, and I wanted to form connections before I even got there, and that's it worked out. Good. Okay. Yeah. So getting to know your professors and getting some coaching from them, and also uh, having them evaluate your skills and your fit for the kind of work that they've done yes. and, and future career paths that you may have that they could give you advice on. That's great. So, Lauren, even though you're a student, you already have a job, and as we said earlier, you're at Flatland Creative. I'd like to hear from you how you started pitching yourself uh, to employers, uh, presenting your portfolio to employers, uh, reaching out, networking, any of those tips uh, of how you landed your job with Elias at Flatland and how you presented yourself to other companies you were looking at. Right. All right. Well, it definitely was a, a crazy story. Um, so the summer after my freshman year, I realized that, you know, well, I feel like I'm I feel like I have the skills to go out here and work, you know. So what ended up happening was I got up a few of my resumes, a few of my cover letters, brushed them off, obviously made them better. Um, and there were a few studios that I was looking at around here. Um, not going to get into them so much as um, I was really interested in Flatland, honestly. So I remember sending an email, typed it up, wrote it out, Send it off to Elias. I said, "Hey, you know, my name is Lauren Fleming." Um, touching doing the touch points. My name is Lauren Fleming. Um, here's my portfolio. I can do. I feel like I can do a lot for your company. I feel like I could help out a lot. Um, definitely interested in at least, you know, seeing what the studio's like. L let me know. <laughs> Can't wait to hear back. And um, sent that in. And what happened was that Elias had actually messaged me about maybe a week later. He says, oh, that's, uh, your portfolio looks good, you know, because um, a lot of that I will say is how much hard work you're putting into yourself and in, in your portfolio and the things that you make is going to make a big impression in the first place. So it is hard work. Um, 
So he's like, this looks good. Um, would love it if you came down and we'll see, you know, we can see if we can get you a tour. And I said, all right, great. When, when would you want me to come down? And then I didn't get a response back. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess that I, I'm going to go out and, you know, get some, print some resumes up and kind of slip it under, you know, people's <laughs> doors, I suppose, including him. You know, because um, I didn't want to seem annoying. I didn't want to be weird. <laughs> so uh, the day I went down there, I walked up to the lobby and this guy named Terry Stroud, who works at Angrier Studios, walks out. He's like, hey, who are you looking for? And I was like, oh, I I'm just here to give my resume to Elias Dancy. And then she's like, he was like, uh, oh, well, give me a second. I'm going to go back there and get him. And he walks all the way back there and I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. And he, uh, Elias walks up. Um, greets me and says, you know, hello, and I shake his hand, and he's like, well, let's go, let's go get you a tour. So, you know, a lot of that is just putting yourself out there. Don't be annoying about it, you know, um, but be humble and be good about it, be sweet about it, and whatever happens, happens. Right, and stuff happens. I mean, yeah. You know, Elias may have lost the email or gotten busy or something. Something, you know, things Definitely. happen. Um but that's a good story of, of getting connected with Elias and persistence, right? So yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Right. Be persistent. Um, and from what I've seen in your portfolio and what I know of, of the work that is done at Flatland, I see the alignment. Um, you know, I don't know if that's um, because, you know, a lot of your portfolio is kind of tied to that or, or, or what. But I see the alignment of your style and the style of Flatland Creative. And that's an important uh, aspect of this or an important thing to remember. And that was part of the conversation with Elias in season one was if you're going to present your work to a studio, do some research on the studio yeah. and what kind of work they do right. and uh, show how you align your style with their work right. and how you could fit in. Because if your style is so different from their style, it's already kind of hard to see a fit. So you right. want to present the work that you think looks like it would fit in with their style. Right. So, Lauren, one of the themes I'm picking up in this conversation is you're a hard worker, that <laughs> you, you put the effort in. Um, and I see that in your artwork, and I hear that in the story we've been talking about here. But I'd like you to expand upon that a little bit and explain what does it mean to do the work and be a hard worker. Give us a little more details of what it means to execute on doing the work. All right. Excellent question. Um, well, I can tell you this. A lot of kids in school usually look at their peers for, you know, who's the best in class, right? I don't think that even when I was in high school that I really thought too much about the peers so much as the professionals that are actually working in this industry. So when I say, you know, we have to put in the work, when people often say that, the people that you're going to be competing against aren't necessarily kids in the classroom. They're the 30 and 40 year olds that are actually, you know, have years of experience in those studios, you know, um, in that state. So my biggest job for myself, you know, just as an artist myself, um, we have so many opportunities to learn from things on the internet. You know, there's stuff out there. We can basically teach ourselves a lot of stuff on our own at this point, and there should be no reason why if we're serious about this job that we don't, we should take our own education seriously. We need to learn that no matter how old we are, we can become as good as those people that are actually in the industry. 
Um, we need to put in the work. If, if you need to look at our, we need to look at our own artwork, look at the artwork that's of the 30 or 40 year old and see the, com we need to compare and contrast and make sure that our work is that caliber, you know? Right, so you're looking at, at what the uh, professionals are doing and trying to pick up on what's the level of detail right. um, and what's the level of uh, finish right. of, of the work. Right, and what can they do? What can't I do? I need to make sure that I can do that if I am to compete with that person. You're looking at these professionals and you're looking at what they can do and you want to compare where you are as an artist to where they are as an artist and keep putting the effort in to develop your skills and get to that level. So some of it is practice, practice, practice. Some of it is studying techniques and, and learning techniques, maybe learning tools yeah. of the trade, um, learning processes of, of the trade. So it's uh, an ongoing learning process that is going to take some time. Definitely. That you'll have to invest your time in. Um, and like many of these artistic endeavors, uh, it's continue to do it and get better at doing it, get feedback. Right. And it's just, a skill. It's yeah, like playing piano. It's a skill. <laughs> so keep practicing or working at it and developing the skill and, and getting better at it with uh, that effort. So Lauren, another topic we had discussed before we came in here into the studio is the, the balance between becoming very specialized with a skill and being a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. And so that's a challenge to try to figure out how specialized you want to be and how that affects your um, job opportunities. Yeah and how broad you want to be and how that affects your job opportunities. So I'd like you to talk mainly from your personal perspective for yeah. you, where you found that balance of how broad and, and how specialized uh, you developed your skills. Right, all right, well, the first thing I'd like to say is that I'm kind of a huge proponent of duality. So I think that a lot of people either choose, you must be a jack of all trades or you must be specialized. But there's actually a, a good sweet middle part of that to hit. Um, so I didn't mention this before, but I do a lot of other things in my personal free time. I do a lot of like um, cinematic soundtrack records, um, even like, you know, um, indie music production. I do play a bunch of instruments. Um, but I kind of think that the answer to that question is the equivalent to, well, did you successfully learn English, math, science, all of that stuff while you were growing up? And if so, we all do have the capacity to learn other things. Um, and there's some things that all of us do as human beings that, you know, we're, we're kind of good at in this area, but we just don't think of it, you know? So the biggest thing is knowing and understanding yourself. But if I were to give a straight answer to that, to that Jack of all trades question, I would think that with bigger studios, with bigger agencies, there's most likely more of a specialized compartment to how they work. It's more straightforward that way. When we're talking about smaller studios, it probably will require more so learning on your part, um, more skills that you should know on your part, just because it's not like with smaller studios that we can hire year-long a 3D rigging artist. It's like, how many 3D pieces are we gonna get in if we're, if we're doing 2D and 3D, you know what I mean? But that goes with a bunch of other things too. 
Um, so with small studios like the studio that I'm in, we need to, as Eliza would say, wear many hats. So Eliza can, as, as well as I can, do a bunch of After Effects um, motion graphics. We can also do drawing and art ourselves, um, but we don't have a specialized person. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So let's talk about that a little bit more of what you do at Flatland Creative so the audience has a better understanding of the kind of work that uh, Flatland Creative does as a studio for yeah. the clients. Okay. Um, well, for me personally, everything is a pitch. Uh, I am the lead storyboard artist and concept artist at Flatland. So with storyboard, I basically take my high proficiency in editing and composition and I bring that together with a script. Um, I take all that information and I turn them all into drawings and ultimately bring the director or the client's idea into the final story or commercial or both. With the concept art side, um, it's a little more singular illustration kind of a based um, job. So I take ideas that the director or the clients have and I turn out multiple revisions, but in actual, instead of sketches like storyboarding, I would actually create very detailed drawings or detailed paintings to then give an idea of what the final piece is going to look like visually. With Flatland Animation Studios, we're capable of doing a lot of things that anybody basically asks us. Like I said before, you know, you wear a lot of hats. So um, anything from high caliber motion graphics all the way to um, live action and uh, advertisements to entertainment pieces, um, but at the heart of everything that we do from advertisement to entertainment. Um, what makes us special is that every single person who's employed at Flatland um, can draw. We're all professional artists. We all animate by hand, um, and none of our animation has been outsourced to LA or New York Animation Studios. All steps of the process has been done in Richmond, Virginia. So, great company, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. All the talents in-house, and they can get it all done for the clients, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm sure that helps with scheduling and costs and everything else. Yes, <laughs> definitely. That's cool. So let's talk now a little bit about the tools, the hardware and software that you use for doing animated illustrations. You got it. So um, with the, I'll go over the concept side first and then the animation. So with concept design and storyboarding, for the most part, um, I do... I do work on Photoshop, Adobe. Um, I also do work on uh, Adobe After Effects, as well as recently Procreate. And again, this is all for design um, design purposes. Um, so like I said, anything from rendered illustrations all the way down to just general sketch work, character, concept art. Um, now for animation, it is industry standard, as well as with the design tools that I just listed, that you use Toon Boom Harmony, um, Toon Boom Storyboard, um, Adobe After Effects you can actually use for, like, people probably already know this, but motion graphics. Um, and all of this is done on Wacom products. But um, there's also another animation tool out there right now. Um, a lot of really good schools, CalArts, um, which is California Institute of the Arts um, on the West Coast, uses TV Paint as well as Goblins, which is the, um, Goblins is the French Academia for Animation, essentially. And it is the best animation school in the world. They use TV Paint, wonderful program. That's what we use too. Cool. 
Well, Lauren, this has been great. It's been an interesting conversation, and I appreciate you coming into the podcast studio today to share your insights. But it's time to wrap this thing up now. To our audience, you've been listening to the Agency Work Podcast. My guest today has been Lauren Fleming from Flatland Creative. We have been talking about Lauren's early days, getting started as an artist, finding her career path from a high school guest speaker, applying to art schools and jobs, and working as a professional artist. To learn more about Lauren and see her portfolio, go online to laurenfleming.org, L-A-U-R-E-N-F-L-E-M-I-N-G.org. To learn more about Flatland Creative, where she works, go online to studioflatland.com, S-T-U-D-I-O-F-L-A-T-L-A-N-D.com. Thank you, Lauren. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Great. It's been fun and enjoyed having you here in the podcast studio. <laughs> Likewise. And to our audience, thank you for listening. I will be back next week with a new guest, and I hope you will tune into that episode. This podcast was recorded at Red Amp Audio in Richmond, Virginia. This is Agency Work signing off.